You've been through pre-Cana, maybe you've even said I do. And now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married for 20 plus years. And today I have with me Alex and Amanda Haliski from Texas. Welcome, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be on. Yeah, we're super excited to talk to you today. Um, Alex and Amanda just hit 25 years, uh, or they're just hitting 25 years in the next week, um, and just welcomed your first grandchild, right? That is correct. Wow. Amazing. Um, so excited to hear your story. Um, and with that, we'll just jump right in. Um, how'd you, how'd you two meet? How did it all begin? So I'll, I'll jump in first. So we met in at the University of Dallas in biology 101. Um, it was in it was in a lab class that I met Amanda. I, you know, sat across from her. Um, I thought she was cute then, but um, we didn't actually start dating until a little bit later. Um, and we kind of ran into each other over the years. Didn't really date till about senior year. Um, but yeah, it was a biology class where we actually met at UD. Wow, nice. What do you remember about that, Amanda? Well, oddly, I vaguely remember standing outside uh, Gorman Hall on the stair steps, and I was thinking, oh, he's kind of cute, and he's <laughs> athletic, and, uh, you know, we're talking about a few things, and he was telling me about um, hunting up in Wisconsin, and like, okay, I could, I'm a Texan. I could do uh, hunting. And then he talked about how it was so enjoyable to pull out a cigarette in the cold and, you know, smoke the cigarette outside in, in the snow. And I immediately <laughs> went, nope. <laughs> you said red flag. Uh-uh. Because both of my grandfathers died in their early 50s of lung cancer. So one mm. of the things for me was a non-smoker. And I'm not sure how familiar people are with UD, but most people there pick up smoking at some point. Usually they drop it, but it's a part of their lives at some piece. And for me, that was like, okay, he's off the list. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't get back onto the list until senior year. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> at that time. So you quit smoking for her or? <laughs> I, quit. I quit somewhere around junior year. Actually, it was kind of a challenge. She, uh, she's like, I bet you can't quit. I was like, I bet I can. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> Positive peer pressure. <laughs> Pre-qualifications. I, I think I was on the way out too because I was playing rugby at the time and it was like bothering me playing rugby. And um, so I ended up yeah. uh, making up my mind. All right, fine. I'm going to do it. So, yeah. Nice. So how did how did you finally go on a date or how did how did your dating life kind of start? I feel like so we went to dinner one time with a friend and everything was um, like platonic, I think. And then later I had picked up the bill for some reason. And later Alex said, hey, you know. You picked up Uncle Julio's. Was it Uncle Julio's? No, Don, 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 Pablo's. Don Pablo's. It's closed yeah. now. But, so I had picked up Don Pablo's. And so he said um, he could grab the next one. And why don't we go to the Mesquite Rodeo 
and um, there was a steakhouse right by the rodeo that was uh, called Trail Dust. And so that was our first date, September 5th, 1997, was rodeo and a steakhouse. Yeah. And he knew he was in for it because (laughs) he's laughing. I sent the chicken back because it was way overdone. And my (laughs) philosophy is, you know, why would I make this guy pay for a chicken that I'm not going to eat? So, yeah, I broke him in hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love that. (laughs) Gotta get the bang for your buck. I mean, (laughs) that's great. And then, so you said he started dating senior year. Um, and then, yeah, what ha- what happened from there? I had, I actually had a master plan um, because I hadn't yet taken my final uh, mathematics course. And um, she was a whiz in math. And so I was like, well, if it doesn't work out, maybe she can at least help me with math. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm dual purpose. Yeah, so, but, <laughs> but actually, like, and we really liked each other from the beginning. And so we, um, I think things moved really, really fast. Like we really found that we clicked. And we always felt that uh, when it came to the big things, we were always on the same page, um, particularly like religion, politics, how we want to raise our children, mm-hmm. um, where we want to live, stuff like that. Um, we were always in lockstep from the get go and things we liked too. It was really the, I think, the little things that had to be ironed out, the relationship building, all those things that you grow into as a couple. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, so how did you guys get engaged? Well, I think it's a beautiful story. Um, so it was the Feast of St. Valentine. And it was that it fell on a Saturday. So Alex asked if I'd go to the vigil mass with him and then we'd celebrate after. So we attended mass together at UD. And after mass, we um, went through the stations of the cross. Well, you know, in the stations of the cross, you kneel down and um, say the one response. Well, we got to the 14th one and um, Alex said that, um, he wanted to talk to me and I was like, okay, great. And you know, the normal, you know, I love you, those kind of things. And then he asked, would I be his wife? And okay. I said, I'd be honored to. And I feel like the whole thing was very symbolic, especially looking back in 25 years, because we went to mass, we prayed the stations. It's on a feast of, you know, love. Mm-hmm. And all of those things come together. Like, as you go through the stations, you talk about the first fall, the second fall, the third fall, being stripped of your garments and the weeping of the women and just the death on the cross, the burial, but then the hope of the resurrection. And so all of those things together, I think, um, kind of come to life in, in the journey of a marriage. No, it's not always St. Valentine's Day with the roses and the nice dinner and those types of things, but it's also being there for one another in those stumbles and in the mm-hmm. stripping of ourselves and sometimes even just complete death to yourself to be born again into something greater and more beautiful. So, yeah. 
he knew what he was doing when he planned all that out. I just had no idea that, um, you know, it would be like that. I don't think I foresaw all that you just said, but like, <laughs> I did want to, I did want to start it out on a good note. It's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah. And then we, um, he, well, we were at mass, his friends had set up a nice dinner with some roses and things like that. And so we, in, um, in my dorm room, and then after we had our time together, they, there was a big party because it was a Saturday night at UD. So we went over to the um, apartments across the street and there's this big party going on. And, um, you know, everybody's, we were one of the first to be engaged. And so everyone was there and happy for us and like, made a circle around us singing and dancing and Oh, that's a very UD. Alex oh, got yeah. a beer bath. <laughs> <laughs> he got baptized with some beer. <laughs> so it just, I think, uh, brought everything together. Like the faith, the love, the community. Mm -hmm. People helped out making it possible. Yeah. So, so that was the engagement. Oh, and that is so beautiful. We made sure it was the six months. Well, technically it was slightly less than six months. It was February 14th through August 8th. But um, we're like, okay, if we're gonna do this, let's uh, get it on the books and do it. Wow, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. What what were your family's reactions to your engagement? Were they super excited or what was that like? So I went home over Christmas and um, my my family told me they knew this was the one just because when Amanda would call, I would I would take the phone outside. Back then we had like the phone connected to the wall with the long cords. <laughs> you had, you had it out the door and you know and, and answer it out there. Um, and so they they said they knew back then that I was probably gonna get they were expecting the news to happen. Um, and so they yeah, everyone was excited. That's awesome. Alex had been around my family. Like he went to Thanksgiving with us that November and, you know, probably other events he would uh, see my family. So I think they embraced him well. I think so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I felt very welcome. Um, I mean, we had, we were probably only a couple months dating at Thanksgiving at that point. Mm -hmm. But I didn't actually meet his parents until a few days before the wedding because they. Oh, my lived. gosh. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just we got engaged in February. Graduation was in May. His dad had to have a major surgery in May. So they didn't have the opportunity to attend graduation. I thought I would meet them then. And um, so I didn't meet them until about August 5th. Wow. Right. But they welcomed you with open oh, arms. Yes, yes. Alice awesome. is from a family of eleven. Um, oh. And his dad—he was the first to get married on his side, and his dad um, just welcomed me as another daughter. And I thought that was really kind of him. And he's always That's been amazing. very supportive. That's really cool. So once you guys got married. Um, how would you say your first year of marriage went? I know a lot of couples say it's the hardest year ever. And uh, what was your guys' experience with that? Um, so our first year, 
we both got jobs straight out of college. So we like I literally graduated on a Sunday when I was at work on a Monday and Amanda wow. was close to the after. I was working for uh, a mortgage uh, company. Amanda was working for uh, an accounting firm for Price Waterhouse. Or were you teaching? I can't remember. Were you yeah. teaching first and then Price Waterhouse? Okay, so um, so we had one car. And um, so we tried to pick an apartment that was close to her school that I could drop her off, go to work, and then pick her up on the way home. Um, and I think, you know, the first year relationship-wise, um, I think was good. I think some of the things that we had to sort of, at least for me, kind of merge into was just graduating from college, still had that friend group, and balancing the time, you know, that we spent together on weekends and also making sure that you know, I was giving attention to Amanda, my wife, and that wasn't always on the same plane. And I was still playing a lot of rugby. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's like you you get used to, like, you're now, um, you're now married. You now have a companion, and you have to work at that. And I think not just in the first year, but additional years, just that became more and more, you know, front and center um, for us, for me, you know, in particular. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. Um, just your transitioning, or at least for us, because we did get married so young, you know, right out of college, then you become young professionals. And also in that first year, um, I became pregnant with our first child. She was born after our first anniversary, but I think I was like seven months pregnant or something on our first anniversary. And so that was kind of, I think, different, you know, like, okay, here, we're getting, getting into this quickly kind of thing and mm -hmm. we got our first home and the children just started coming every two years and it was fast paced and like Alex said you realize time management is a big thing like his job and his hobbies and then Kate taking care of the home having the children raising the children it becomes difficult I think to invest in the details of the marriage like he said the big things are in place but sometimes it takes a while to get the little things ironed out yeah and also, and also have a lot of you know fond memories of that first year uh because we were together just us for the most part and we're very adventuresome and like we we, we honeymooned in montana and we spent our whole honeymoon just going into the glacier national park and exploring the beauty that's out there and we love to travel and so that first year you know i have a lot of fond memories of it. it's just us and um mm -hmm. and us beginning our lives together uh, and it's a lot of fun too that's awesome so you said the kids came pretty quickly matthew and i are in a very similar situation where i'm eight months pregnant now we got married in november um so definitely understand that feeling of like this is happening and it's coming fast. Um, so how would you say you guys kind of balanced um, raising a family really young and also, you know, dedicating time to your marriage and making sure you didn't lose out on, on that special relationship that you started out with? Well, I do think um, just the busyness of taking care of the children stunted 
the development of the relationship. I mean, it was there, but we were doing what we wanted to do, raise a family. That was always my life right. um, because I came from a divorced home. And so something that was really important to me uh, was to have a real family, mom, dad, children, all in the same household. So I felt like I was living my dream. But as far as like time with Alex, um, it was minimal, but it was very good. Like, I guess you could say um, quality over quantity type thing. So now that we're getting a little bit older, it's easier to spend more time together. But I do feel like we learned to not waste any time and to maximize what we had together. But Alex and I are both very efficient people. And so it works well that um, <laughs> we just get out the most of an experience that we can. Yeah, and I would say too, because you know, one Amanda pretty much worked up to the day she gave birth uh, for for Katie uh, at the Price Waterhouse. We were both working downtown Dallas, so I would drop her off and go to my building and park, and then I would leave my building and then go pick her up. Um, sometimes I would go home first because during tax season she would be working until nine o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. But once we had the baby, she stopped working, so it, it was all of the income just came from my salary. And so we had to pull back in a lot of ways. We we tried to use as much as the dual income to pay off our student loans, which <laughs> can be, you know, up there. And so we did a little bit of that. Um, but then it was me, you know, covering the, the, the bills from that point forward. So because uh, Amanda didn't go back to work after we started having children. Um, she was uh, primary at, at home taking care of all the, the, the children. So things would get tighter and tighter with each child, and there were things that we had to stop doing. Um, but we still had one car for at least two years, was it? Um, so, you know, it was things that we we just kind of had to get used to. You know, she we did buy a house, and but I would take the car into work, and um, she had her mother's car for a little bit, just. In, um, driving to, you know, to places, uh, borrowing the car. But for the most part, you know, the, Amanda didn't have as much transportation until I came home. And yeah. so that was a little bit tough in the first couple of years as, as everything kind of leaned on me and my salary. But eventually we got to the point where I could afford two cars and then she had a lot more flexibility in the day and stuff like that, would you say? Yeah, but I'd also add that it did seem like every time we were adding a new child to our family, Alex would get promotions. Like yeah. I felt like our openness to children was also provided for by his success at work and those types of things. So, yeah, it just it did seem to me that as we were adding children, the blessings yeah. would still continue to carry us on on this journey of being a Catholic family and openness to life. Because I know sometimes people at his work would think you're having another baby. And then um, our third pregnancy was a twin pregnancy. So when I showed up to his um, office with the sonogram, because I never went to his work, but I thought for this one, I'm going to go. 
And so I walked in with our four-year-old and our two-year-old and everybody said hello. And I handed Alex the sauna, um, the little printout of the sauna sheet. And he just looked at it for a minute and then put his head in his hands, like in utter disbelief because it said on there, two heads. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> uh, his coworkers came over because they knew some, they already knew I was pregnant. So they knew something was up. And then, you know, just so the joy of going from two children to four children and uh, that support at work was really nice. And so I do feel like, you know, there's the stress of providing for a family, but God does provide. And that's always been the case in my life. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, we, I, I've, I've learned or I've recognized that it was good to start when we were young because we were clueless, not clueless, but like, like naive about the various risks. And you just don't think about that that young. And so, you know, that when, when you're young, you just kind of you deal with it as it comes and then later on you're like wow all those lessons i learned <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah you definitely learn to roll with the punches for yeah, sure totally and yeah that. god does provide always so i think that's so beautiful when you're outnumbered you have to become more intelligent so <laughs> we were outnumbered quickly so we just had to get smarter yeah oh my gosh i can't imagine having twins like wow that would be crazy but amazing yeah, um, time um we had two so you know amanda might have one and i take care of the other um and then we went from two to four was that whoa because i would i would sometimes put one to bed um you know katie was the oldest so she might go to bed on her own but greg the younger always needed some encouragement to go to bed <laughs> um so i would i would help with that so when we go two to four you know we had to really figure out you know how to manage all that so it was definitely uh an interesting challenge yeah that's that's for sure oh my gosh um so you sound like you have a really i mean pretty great even though it was stressful and busy first couple of years but do you remember what like one of your first fights or one of the the big skirmishes <laughs> was over in the first couple of years I think our first big one was probably when we were engaged, um, probably still on campus, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, <laughs> so the background here is, um, I was unknown to Amanda. I had scheduled a lunch with one of my friends who happened to be uh, female, mm -hmm. and but I made a visit to Amanda before that time, and. Um, uh, I just popped by her dorm, said hello, and blah blah blah. And that's why oh, I got to run. She said, "Why you gotta go?" I was like, "Well, I have I have something to do, but I didn't really clue her into what was going on because I didn't want to like cause any suspicions or anything." But I did have lunch with a friend of mine um, at at in the rat at UD in the in the lower eating area. While we're eating there, lo and behold, here comes Amanda, who I just <laughs> said I don't have time for you, and here I'm sitting with another girl and. <laughs> the look on her face, I was like, okay, I'm dead. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And so oh, she man. just turned around, turned around, walked out. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble here. And so um, later on, when we connected, that was, it was pretty big because she felt rejected. I'll let you tell her side of it, but uh, she kind of felt like I rejected her and I didn't know who this other person was. And, and can I trust him now? And sort of thing, right? Like that's kind of like how it played out. 
Yeah, and I think this really ties into just underlying issues that individual people have, but aren't verbalized. Mm. And so I had never talked to Alex about things that I, I mean, the phrase now is triggering, but, you know, things that would have triggered me back then into being really upset. So in his mind, it was a platonic relationship. He was just in a public space eating some food it was lunchtime it all seemed very reasonable to him and he had no uh, malintentions so you know there's where he's coming from but then i'm coming from um, needing stability uh, loyalty knowing that i can count on people because of my childhood issues but i never really talked about any of that because um you know, while we were dating, it was kind of like the fairy tale land for me. I had made a new life for myself at UD. Um, I had separated myself from a lot of the sadness of my childhood, and I didn't share that with him. So I'm overly upset, and it's difficult for him to comprehend why, because in his mind, it's just a friend. We're just having some lunch, you know, that kind of thing. And we talked about this last night and we really, I feel like came to a revelation. It's not admitting guilt. It's just acknowledging how the other person is feeling. So mm -hmm. for him, what he didn't do, which would have been helpful for me at the time to um, comfort me and to really help me get past it would have been to say, I can see how that might've been very upsetting for you. And I'm sorry that I put you in that situation. How can we avoid that in the future? And then I would say, just make sure I'm invited to the table and I can choose whether to be there or not. But that way I don't feel excluded. I don't feel um, lied to because mm -hmm. you know he didn't tell me that that's what he was going to do. And I think that that was great progress in compassion for the other person, you know, I could acknowledge, I know you didn't have any bad intentions. I know you're a good and faithful person. Um, let me feel included. Let me um, know that I'm loved and that I'm wanted. And then I can make the decision, do I want to sit and have lunch with you or let y'all have your private conversation? Mm -hmm. uh, but that way there's that transparency and that inclusion. So I feel like we make progress in that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the thing that we learned over the years in our marriage is got to make sure you maintain the trust. Got to make sure you're transparent about everything. Even if there's like an inkling of like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's like, well, I probably should cover that. Um, you know, because that that goes a long way. Of, and it's and it's real it's it's real easy to um to have that trust broken if if you're if you're um, not careful about everything that's going on. So. Um, that was an early learning, an early, you know, little fight we had spat. <laughs> I, can, I can see a common thread in a lot of arguments, right? Because it usually stems from um, some kind of need for reassurance. I love you. You're important to me. I'd really like to go to the, join my friends at the bar or go to this football game or do this thing. But if I'm secure from the beginning, then I'm a good hearted person. I would say, absolutely go. I, I want you to have a good time. 
So that's something I think couples could learn is, you know, make sure the other spouse is comfortable first. And usually they will be more amiable when it comes to, oh, this is a trip or an outing or something like that. And then they don't feel left out or unwanted. Yeah, that's really true. I feel like, yeah, it really is just as simple as like the way you frame a situation that, you know, you can either tell them, hey, I'm going out with friends, or you can say, hey, honey, would you mind if I went out with some friends? And then, you know, it's basically the same thing. You're probably going to get the same result, but you're including the other person, considering how they feel and just opening up the dialogue and yeah, definitely restoring the trust there for sure. Um, So I'm curious, like you mentioned, like you struggled to kind of open up about the things that you needed from him in the beginning. Um, How would you say like your personalities work together in that um, like certain people need certain things from the other? Um, Does that come naturally to you guys? I know for Matthew and I, like I'm a big words of affirmation person and he is not, like he's very uncomfortable with compliments but I kind of need them or else I'm thinking, you don't think I'm pretty if you don't tell me every day or, you know, things like that. And that's something we've had to learn. Like I make him uncomfortable when I smother him and then, but I need that kind of affection. Um, what's what's kind of your dynamic with each other in that regard? Sure. Well, um, I feel like it's been a learning process. The pivot for me was, Um, and this applies to the children as well. I had to learn to stop giving other people what it was that I had wanted and learn enough about them to be able to give them what they want. So for Alex and the children, I, I tried to be the person I wanted to receive and I had to learn to be the person they needed to me to be. Mm -hmm. And um, I think one of the biggest things is Alex is exceptionally frugal and he went on a business trip and purchased a book at the airport. And we all know that everything at the airport is at least two to three times more expensive than it should be. And he read (laughs) this book on the airplane, came back from his business trip and gave it to me and asked me to read it. And we had lots of little children at the time. Reading was not Um, part of my daily routine because I was just functioning. um, We were just trying to keep everybody alive. And so reading (laughs) is not something on my daily schedule. But I knew that he bought the book, he read the book, and he gave it to me. So it must be important to him. And it was love and respect. I think the author is uh, Echo Rich or something. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was very profound for me because I'm a very loving person. And I think I'm I'm an acts of service, if we're gonna talk about the five love languages, and I'm an acts of service. I will do anything for anybody at any time if I like them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If I don't, then I'm busy. Um, But but for Alex, um, that respect, and there was something hard for me to learn 
because I grew up in an all female dominated life. There was not a man in, uh, you know, father figure or I had zero brothers. Uh, there were no men around. And if they had any influence in our lives, usually they were spoken poorly of or things like that. So I didn't really come into the relationship as a overly respectful woman. I don't think I was awful and I do love and respect Alex, but that was somewhere where I could grow mm -hmm. and understanding how important that was to him. Uh, because it does say in the book that a man would rather be unloved, but respected. And that was profound for me because okay. I never want to be unloved. I always want to know I'm loved. And so learning to give Alex that, um, his due respect, I think was very pivotal for me in our relationship. So learning to give him and to give the children what they actually need instead of what I want to give them. Because I just wanted to shower him with love. I wanted to baby him. He is not a babying kind of man <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, so, you know, we kind of knocked heads a little bit on that, but, you know, because he's strong and independent. And so, I mean, he doesn't ever complain whenever I feed him dinner every night and so, like, <laughs> baby him that way. But any other, like, babying, um, I just directed all that to the children. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, and I would I would add to that because con contrasted to Amanda's, um, you know, familial, you know, sisters and brother or not no, no brothers like she had all sisters. I had um, in my family we had eleven, but the first five were brothers, and I'm number two in the order. So my growing up years always you know, revolved around the first five brothers and we're very tight to this day. So a lot of my upbringing was very masculine, very um, low to no emotion involved. <laughs> and, but then, you know, I meet Amanda and it's the opposite. I had to learn a lot about, you know, what that means to affirm her when, when she has, you know, she needs me to listen to something or needs to talk through something. Um, I was early on very much about, well, let's just fix this. Like, I have some ideas, but it wasn't like she wasn't looking for a fix. She was looking for you know, someone just to listen to her and hear her out uh, um, uh, and that sort of thing. So I had to, I had to learn um, a lot of that early on. Um, and you never stop learning. Um, and we've realized within the marriage, you, you're always working at it. Um, and uh, trying to get better, better. Um, even to this day, you know, just thinking about the conversation we had last night, you know, we're just constantly trying to better understand the other person's point of view, um, you know, before jumping to the uh, conclusion. So that's that's where I came from. There's a very yin yang type contrast, but at the same time, we, you know, we really could always lean back on. You know, we we were in lockstep, lockstep, the big things that mattered. It was always sort of the, not that these are little things, but it was always sort of the, you know, how you interact uh, with each other that we uh, had to continue to improve upon and learn. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I'm, it's really great to 
kind of finally learn those things about each other um, and keep working at them. And I think that that's really good for young couples to hear that, like, even now you guys, you still talk through, you still work through all these different things. Um, and also yeah. different backgrounds on like, you know, different examples of what marriage is. You know, I had my parents example. She had, you know, her parents and, you know, the, her, her upbringing as well. And, and when we come to a marriage, you know, with that sort of in mind, this is, this isn't what I know to be marriage. And you apply that and then you realize, well, a man is not my mother. I'm not her father. And mm -hmm. we're different. And so we need to work out how we're going to have our marriage and what works for us. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but being young and, you know, all you know is what you know. Um, and, and so you have to, you have to work through those shifts in mindset. And the big thing I think is always recognizing that I know Alex is doing the best he can with what he has, and I'm doing the best I can with what I have. And we're both very good hearted people, right? And so once you look at the other person with that kind of understanding and compassion, it makes it easier to work through those things because, you know, I have faults and he has faults and do I love you with those faults and you come to that unconditional love. It's not, oh, you weren't what I thought you were going to be. I'm out. Or, oh, I don't like that about you. I'm out. Like, though, that's not the way it works. It's, I love you so much and I'm willing to do whatever it takes for us to work through, you know, the issue with the lunch or the things about the house or whatever it is. You don't abandon your love because it's not a picture perfect Pinterest type of world, right? Mm -hmm. You work on it and you recognize that what you actually have is more beautiful than that preconceived idea of what a perfect marriage is going to be because mm -hmm. it's the in sickness and in health for richer, for poor. It's you're living out those vows you promised you would. Now you're doing it. And how beautiful is that? Yeah, that's so true. And um, I would just ask one of one of our other questions. We try to ask people um, what what was a trial you guys had to work through where you really had to remember those vows um, and really had to, you know, snap out of any type of, of doubt in the relationship and just say, I love this person. Doesn't matter how I feel or what's what life threw, threw at us. Um, I'm with them till the end. Well, without getting into too many specific details, just for privacy sake, um, for me, it was dealing with the older children. So when they're they're no longer little, um, they are becoming their own adult. They're not quite mature enough to really be adults, right? But it's that weird transition stage and you have to, so what we had to go through was, you know, what does it mean to be the mom and the dad? And what does it mean to be the husband and the wife? And children can really put a huge strain on that, you know, transition period in life. And I didn't 
realize it was coming. You know, you just kind of think, oh, we're trucking along, we're doing great, and and things are moving in the right direction. And then all of a sudden you get derailed. And it was that derailment and then putting that heavy, heavy train back on the track and mm -hmm. getting it going again. Um, it took a lot of commitment. Like, and this was, I guess, five years, maybe about five years ago. So it was around that 20 year mark. And you have to do a lot of soul searching and realize Alex and I are married until we die. And the children, as pivotal as they are in our family, they're going to grow up, they're going to leave us, and they're going to create their own families. And that is exactly what the Bible says to do, right? But sometimes navigating that is really hard. Mm -hmm. So I hope that wasn't too vague. But No, um, that's, was, that's great. I think was, a lot of people struggle with that that transition period for it, sure it in the teeth like you reassess your identity um you realize i mean because i spent so many years being a mother of six children and mm -hmm. alex a father of six children and not that we neglected each other but you start to realize this is my you know forever after and it takes a lot uh, to keep all that straight yeah, and you learn, uh, you really, you grow, you know, throughout, like, we're just amazed that 25 years have gone by, but uh, you, you grow, you grow with each other, you grow with the children, you know, you go from, you know, praising them for a coloring, you know, a coloring book drawing that they just did, uh, to really having to dive into, hey, what's going on in your life, what's troubling you, um, as they mature into adults. Um, and then, you know, you have to balance, you know, your, your role there with also your, your, the, the support you give to your wife or husband. And so it's, it, it's always a challenge. You know, we found that you know, there is, you know, never any, um, you know, um, you know, perfect, no issue type marriage. There's always going to be some sort of trial that you have to work through and you have to have that foundational trust in each other that you'll get through it. Uh, um, and you have to lean on each other. We've leaned on each other so many different times, whether it's, I have the flu and she has to pick up, you know, the pieces, um, or, um, you know, whatever it is. And I think we've also probably overextended that, um, uh, that leaning, um, selfishly and realize later and you just have to come back for forgiveness you know i i can remember a time where it was a saturday and um i dropped the bomb on amanda that i was gonna go to a rugby game and can you take care of the kids see you later and <laughs> that wasn't very fair and so it was made her feel you know not uh not very appreciated or important to me well, because so, I needed to go to the grocery store because I didn't go during the week because he was at work. And mm -hmm. I don't know um, how much grocery shopping somebody's going to get with six children um, <laughs> that close in age. I mean, I've done it before. But so in my mind, I'm just going to Saturday morning, I'm going to get groceries. But his mind Saturday morning, he's going to go to rugby and he walks out the door. And I think what just happened here? So just those types of things. Um, you know, the growing pains of we need 
to figure out how to balance this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's important. All people have positive and negative traits, right? None of us are perfect. And every day is a choice. Are you going to focus on the positive pieces or the negative pieces? I mentioned this to Alex yesterday. Um, I could list out 20 to 30 different, amazing, wonderful, beautiful things about him. And I could probably come up with one or two things that just bother me or I think are, you know, negative issues. So I have a choice in my life. I can look at all that is good and beautiful and try to work the best we can on the things that where we need help growing as people. Um, or I could just zone in on those two negative things and become angry and bitter and resentful and take that out on him. So it's a choice, I think, that I make every day. And I choose love and I choose gratitude and I choose my marriage. That's beautiful. Um, so what would you say is like your one liner, your best piece of advice, something maybe you would tell your younger selves, just a piece of wisdom for young couples out there just starting out. So my thoughts on this are, I think, first off, like spend the time before you're married to get to know the person you're going, you think you're going to marry. Like but to me, like that's so key to make sure that you have, you know, spent enough time with that person to really realize, are you compatible? Are you um, on the same wavelength, you know, religious, political, you know, all those things that cause fights, you know, make sure your, your interests are, are the same. And then obviously like that's step number one. And then from there, like the things that I think about that I've learned over time is like, you know, and, and I think it was St. Paul that really said it right. He's right when he said, like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like, and that usually requires one of the, one of the couples, one of the two, to really just, you know, suck it up, adopt some humility, and approach the other person and say, let's let's work this out. And that and that works because, you know, the other person, you know, probably wants the same thing unless you're like, you know, really having a problem. Like, they probably want the exact same thing you do. And uh, but it takes one person to take that humbling step and and and, and take that first step. And then um, uh, secondly, I would say don't stop working at the marriage. It's not like, you know, you put the ring on and then you're done. Like it's a constant uh, effort, um, constantly learning about each other, how to make it better. You know, Amanda talked about the book that was probably part of, hey, we're going through something. Let's see what can help us um and then and then ultimately you know don't do that one thing that's going to break the marriage right yeah you know, we're all talking a lot about the things the relationship building and how those things happen and then there's those serious things you know just don't go there um don't don't you know go to the the bad places you know you know you know when you know things are, are going the wrong direction with with someone who's supposedly your friend i just don't go there like honor your wife or husband and um and uh and things things will you'll be blessed through that so that's my input what do you think amanda um so i think what i wrote down it's love your spouse for who they are as they are and you'll find more depth in them than you could ever have dreamed of 
So I feel like I had some fairy tale Disney type um, dreams, but that's just kind of an outer shell, right? And there's getting to know the person, like who they are very intimately and, and with that respect, like, wow, I've really learned a lot about you and it makes me love you more. Mm-hmm. So that kind of let them loom in front of you, right? Don't hold them to this preconceived idea. Okay, you're this, this, and this. We're growing people. We're beautiful souls. And in a marriage, you kind of move into that, you know, spiritual realm of our souls are now blended, right? Our lives are together and we do this on a day in and day out, but he does become my other half. And I think I'm his other half. Like we become this unit and that was way more than I had ever imagined. And I'll add add one last thing too, is, you know, keep your faith front and center in the marriage. You know, marriage is a sacrament. It's holy matrimony. And um, you not just work at the marriage itself relationship wise, but you also have to work at, um, you know, keeping your faith together, praying together. Uh, we found, you know, that's that's always been super helpful for us, you know, to keep Christ at the center of our marriage. Yeah, that's so key. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story, um, all your advice. Um, it's been a joy to talk to both of you. Um, and if you wouldn't mind leading us in the prayer to Mary, Mother of Fairest Love, Mary, Mother of Ferris Love, you are the mother of Jesus and our mother. Intercede for us with your son, as you did at the wedding at Cana. Pray for us, Ferris Mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call the God's great life or to have apostolic celibacy, to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the Marte Pucre Dilecciones, the mother of beautiful love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so we may show each other love full of mercy and forgiveness. May all our love and affections be always faithful, pure, and chaste. Dear Mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs and intercede especially for our newly born grandson who's in NICU and his mother and his father as they are temporarily separated from him and our other children as we um, strive to be the best parents to them that we can be. May we grow in love and come to know true peace and joy now in the life to come in heaven. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.